if I'm going to give advice to anybody, it's like, you know, A, don't be scared of failure. And B, like, what else are you going to do? Life, if you grade it from a zero to a 10, most people are, are living at somewhere between a three and a five. Five feels good for them. Five is like, you know, five is safe. They have everything they need. They drive a nice car. They live in a nice neighborhood. You know, they're content. And they're so scared of dropping down to zero that they don't want to shoot for 10. Well, hey there. If we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you've probably heard me talk about a brand called Go Ruck. It was founded by a guy that I met a few years ago now named Jason McCarthy. He's a former Green Beret uh, who started this company literally to bridge the gap between the military and civilian worlds. And they do that by creating really, really outstanding gear, backpacks, shoes, boots, sandbags. But then beyond that, they also host Go Ruck events. And man, uh, these things are tough. They beat the tar out of you. And specifically, the most intense out of all the events that they hold every single year is one called Go Ruck Selection. And it's the one individual event that they do where truly they put these men and women through the absolute ringer and they have a whole host of special forces guys that literally show up to beat the tar out of these people and try and get them to quit over the course of 48 hours. And sometimes they very much succeed. That's because there are certain years where literally no one finishes the full 48 hours and literally that's a year where there just is no finisher. But there are other years where there are some pretty incredible, and I would also say insane individuals that do finish. And specifically in 2021, there was one finisher of Go Ruck Selection, and his name was Chad Malone. And that's who we get to talk to today. This is such a powerful conversation about perseverance and purpose and an endurance mindset. And I'm so excited for you to hear Chad's perspective because I think it has the ability to transcend just this specific event and equip you with the mentality and the expectations necessary to endure. So leading into selection in 2019, I didn't really have a whole, whole lot of experience with, uh, with go ruck in general, the type of events or whatnot. And I'm not like, I've never been in the military. So the whole outdoor scene, the best I have for that is boy Scouts. Right. So, um, (laughs) and, um, you know, I, I we I kind of I got into uh, into go ruck events. My partner, who is a he's an army vet, and um, we were just looking for. We we used to do these these um these ruck marches to uh, uh, as fundraisers because where our gym is located, we're right next to Fort Belvoir, so we want to find some community involvement, um, some way to give back. So we started to do these ruck marches, like five to ten miles, nothing big. He kind of led the way on all of that. And then we found out that Go Ruck was coming into town um, for the inaugural Star Course, the 50 miler. Um, I think that was what, 2018 or something like that. And uh, we basically just didn't want to do any more marketing for our fundraising. So we were like, hey, Go Ruck is, Go Ruck is doing it. We just need to get people to say, hey, we'll do it with you or donate money towards you doing it. So that's, that put us into the 50 miler. Um, that that first uh, star course and I didn't train for it. I don't think any of us really trained for it. 
we just, you know, kind of went out. I mean, I mean, just we're, pretty we're, casually we're, went out yeah. and did a 50 miler. That's pretty I mean, intense, <laughs> what I was thinking, I was like, man, we're, we're in shape. Like we're, we're training every day, jujitsu, Muay Thai, you know, and then you're adjunct training, you're, you know, you're running a little bit here and there lifting weights. So I'm like, Hey, if I can, if I can do that, this is just walking and I can do 10 miles. So let's get out there and walk 50 miles. Um, Turns out that that was not a great idea. It was an awful night. Um, well, awful, <laughs> depending depending on how you want to put it. It was, I, it was. I, know, I remember it was in the spring. I think it was May, and I remember that after the fact, the weather report that that was the coldest night in May that we've had like on record. So it was cold all of a sudden. It rained all night long. We didn't train for it. We most of us of our team didn't have the proper gear. I know I had just bought my boots that week. And they were not the right type of boots. They were like police boots. Um, <laughs> I had, uh, I think I had a 5'11 rush and overpacked. All, all, everything you want to do wrong. And and we went out there and we hit it going down the, the CNO Canal is kind of where it started. And you hit the majority of the mileage is on the CNO Canal. So we hit our first few uh, uh, waypoints and then we're walking. The rain really picks up. I'm listening to a podcast and I'm just walking and I, I realized that if I just keep moving, I don't get that cold. So I just put my head down and I'm just moving. And then I look up as the sun starts to come up the next day, Saturday morning, and there's nobody behind me. My whole team is gone. And uh, <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> I mean, I mean, these these are tough guys and gals. They And every and the funny part, everybody came back and, and finished the star course the next year. It's just that like nobody trained. And I'm just the stubborn guy. And I'm thinking from the get go, like after I hit one mile, I'd rather just finish this than go back to where I started. Um, so <laughs> I'd rather so, do the remaining 49 than go back that, and do the one. <laughs> that's just how my mind worked. So, so I, you know, I just, I just kept walking and, and, uh, my, my team, everybody dropped off. Um, I, I connected with them. You know, they gave us a, gave me a phone call, connected with them. And they let me know what's going on. Everybody's safe. I'm just going along. And I'm like, well, screw it. Um, at this point, because for the inaugural one, you had to have a team the whole time. And so um, I'm just like, well, whatever. I just, you know, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to finish this. I'm probably not going to get a patch because I don't have a team, but I'll just finish this regardless. Just say I finished it. So I'm going along, going along and um, sending in my, my pictures. You have to post your pictures on IG. And um, one of the cadres uh, messaged me through IG and was like, well, where's your team? And I'm like, um, they're gone. They're like, <laughs> they're, they're, <laughs> so, they're not, they've been gone for a long yeah, time. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, hey, either post a picture with a team or you're going to have to um, withdraw. So I just started trailing another group and <laughs> I would just kind of take a picture and they would be in the background and eventually they caught on. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty socially awkward. So like the whole introduction and stuff like that, I'm like, uh, yeah, I, I don't have a team. Do you mind if I walk with you guys for the next, <laughs> you know, 12 hours or whatever? And so that's what we did. We just walked and then it kind of worked out because the, the team that I met up with there, uh, one of his teammates, there was a duo. So one of, one of the guys from the duo, he was going to have to drop off. He wasn't doing well, but the other one wanted to continue, wanted to continue going. So we just finished up and, um, we finished the event uh, uh, between the two of us. It, it went as well as you would think with somebody walking 50 miles and never, uh, never trained for it. So I'm, I was pretty laid up on the couch for at least a day, maybe a day and a half after that. 
Okay. Um, and in that day and a half, were you looking back thinking that was a positive experience or what was, what was your <laughs> mindset with regard to that first? <laughs> That's hilarious. So I, uh, yeah, definitely said multiple times I would never do one of these again. Um, <laughs> okay. Why, lot. why was that though? Just because it was painful or, or. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's just pain. Um, it's pain. And, and there's a, you know, there's a mind, um, a paradigm shift that goes on in your head between like doing sports and doing, um, I don't even know what you call like these events, like adventures, like going on these adventures. Uh, it's a paradigm shift. So like, you know, I grew up, my main sport was wrestling. You go to practice and practice is done in an hour and you have a match, you know, your match is what was it? Six minutes. Like you fight for six minutes and then you're done versus this is like, man, this is a solitary activity for what 12 hours, however long you have to finish the 50 miles. Like that's it. I've never like my, my mind like has never focused on any one task that long ever. So my, my, I have to get my head around that. And then on top of that, then you have the pain and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm pretty fortunate my, at the time I was younger. So my body healed up pretty well. You know, I, I don't, blister easily so my feet were pretty good to go no big issues there but it, it definitely what it didn't seem like one of those things that I needed to ever do again it's like all right check it off the list <laughs> I, I don't think I need to do anything else like this okay but then, so how do you go from I never <laughs> need to do anything like that to again to I mean I mean much less to doing selection which is like the yeah. granddaddy right like you, yeah. you somehow get to signing up for selection and then actually finishing it. Like that's just a, I don't know how yeah. you pitch that gap, Chad. It's, it is the, it's the, the, I have a, a good mixture of, of stubbornness and competitiveness and not much reason in my head. So, mm -hmm. so that's pretty much what got me there after, you know, after that, that star course, um, I didn't even know they had other events. I didn't know Go Ruck was a thing. So, you know, went on the website and talked with my buddies like, hey, there are easier events that they can do that you can do. So we're like, hey, let's, you know, let's do a tough, do a basic. And then and then I find out that people do the at the time there were lights, not basics at the time. And then I, I realized people would do the heavy followed by the tough, followed by the light. Um, that was a thing. So I was like, all right, well, if these people are doing it, I can do it. So, so then that becomes something that I have to do. So train up, I actually trained for that one, hit uh, HTL and, um, and finished it. And, um, and I felt good for, you know, afterwards physically, you know, I was, it hurt. Um, but I, I felt good mentally like, all right, great. It's something I got done. And then I saw how many people finish HTLs, like not to, you know, not knocking anybody or anything, but like, HTLs are very tough, but a good amount of people do them. And Which, then what, my, is an, what, what is an HTL, Chad? So, so an HTL is um, for, for Go Ruck, you do, so Go Ruck has a 24 hour event um, yeah. and these are team events. So, so you come in 24 hours, you're going to ruck um, maybe on the 24 hour ones, you maybe ruck, I'd say 20 miles or so. I don't, I don't really know. I just do what they tell me to do. Um, so, <laughs> So 20 miles or so um, with your rucksack on, um, you'll have some sandbags, you'll have other implements to carry. You're going to do, you know, they're going to give you calisthenics and, and workouts and stuff to do throughout. And you're doing that for 24 hours. 
Um, that's a heavy. And then there's a tough. A tough is um, 12 hours. Okay, Less that's the mileage. one that I've done. Yeah. So, so Zach and I yeah. did the get, did the twelve hour one. Just no train. Yeah. We signed up the Friday before, and and yeah. Jason was nice enough to give us a pre entry because we were interviewing <laughs> him for a podcast. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was like, why on earth did we sign up for this? Man? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, so what is what does HTL stand for? Though? So is HTL that- stands for heavy, tough, light. So you do a heavy, oh. you get maybe like an hour or two rest, and then you do a tough, get rest, and then you do the light. Dude, um, all I wanted yeah. after the 12 hour <laughs> one was sleep and a cheeseburger and yes, in that order yes, too, yes, like, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So you do it back to back to, so, so it's, it's a, it's a flavor of crazy for that community yes. to sign up yeah. for the HTL. Yeah. HTL that is like, for a lot of people that is like their pinnacle, that's their selection. Um, okay. You know, so it, I want to know from you based on the people that you've met, what do the people who sign up for that or just like do mm-hmm. that self-imposed have in common? Uh, between the people who sign up for HCL and the people who sign up for selection? Or, no, I want to uh, know just that the type of person that says, I don't just want to do one of these. I want to do three, uh, yeah. like three of these and I want to organize them back to back like that. What what do those people have in common with each other? Like, what is it about their personality or their wiring? Does anything stand out as kind of like yeah. a unifying factor? Uh, you know what? There's there's differences. Um, there's there's differences. Maybe not so much in the HTL world, um, but for an HTL, I would say that most of those people are very they're very driven. They want to know more about themselves. They they want to. They want to see exactly how far they can go because, you know, it's, it's not uncommon to do a heavy. It's not uncommon to do a tough. It's not uncommon to do a light. It's, you know, 24 hours, 12 hours, four to six hours. That's not uncommon. But to put them all together back to back to back like that is, you know, that's it's crazy. Like, who? why would you do that? So, you know, the people who do them definitely want to know more about themselves and see whether they can actually push to that limit. Was that and your driver? No. Uh, <laughs> no. My driver is because I'm competitive and I'm stubborn. And I saw that people, because <laughs> I, I saw that people people were doing them. So I, I, I have this thing and I'm, I, I feel like I've worked my way out of it. But in my younger years, you know, I wrestled, I fought MMA, you know, everything is, is competitive for me. And so instead of me thinking of being the best person that I could be, mm. my thought process was being better than everybody else. So, so what brought me to do the HTL the first time was like, hey, people are finishing this and I think that I'm stronger than they are. So I need to do that also. So that's definitely why I signed up for the HTL. And, that, and that's kind of also why I signed up for the selection in 2019. Um, you know, I, I, I did the HCL. I felt good about it for about a week or so. And then I saw how many people finished HTLs. You know, it's, it's, it's a definitely a, a hard task to do, but there's a community of people, like a good amount of people that finish them. Um, so I wanted to set myself apart. That's, this was my initial driver back in 2019 to get through. I wanted to like be on the top of the food chain as a, you know, as a fighter. That's, that's where I wanted to be. So my initially my my buddy Paul my my business partner Paul and I our plan was to do to selection together. Um, we were planning on doing it actually in 2020. That was a, that was a goal. 
And we were out. Our ruck club was doing a little uh, bar crawl ruck. And um, he saw that I'm like training a lot. He's like, hey, man, are you training for selection? What are, what are you planning on doing? And I'm like, no, nah, man, I thought we were doing selection together. And so he's like, nah, I'm not doing that shit. Nah. Said I'm out. Yeah, you, you, you can go ahead and do it. And I'm like, are you sure? Like, I, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to, like, even though I'm very competitive, like, I also, like, I'm very empathetic also. So yeah, you don't want to ditch him. Yes, exactly. So, you know, I didn't want to go out and do it. And then, you know, I, I'm assuming I'm going to do it and I'm going to knock it out the ballpark. And then he's going to, you know, be feel a certain way that I did it without him. So he kind of, to me, he gave me permission to go ahead and do it that first time. So I'm like, all right, cool, I'm going to do it. And uh, like I said, I had, wasn't planning on doing it until uh, 2020 was the goal. So once I got the permission, I was like, all right, well, let me run this past my wife. <laughs> you asked him and then you yeah, asked your wife. That's yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> Get the real so, permission. Huh? Yeah, so I run, I run it past her. <laughs> And I'm like, hey, this is what it is. This is how much it costs. I'm going to have to be gone. Is this okay? She's like, yeah. So, you know, training okay, was so, on at that so point. Give us, give us that rundown. What is it, right? Because some people aren't even familiar with what it is. And what does it cost? And then more than what it costs financially, although I'd love to know that as well. What does it cost from a time perspective at that <laughs> moment for you to really prepare for it? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the big thing. So so Go Ruck Selection is a 48-hour endurance event modeled after special forces assessment and selection. That's where it started, but then, you know, it's more or less like military selection at this point cuz you know, there's point parts incorporated from, you know, Navy SEALs and and you know, MARSOC, Force Recon and, and those guys. So this all of these guys, these are your leaders for the event. You call them cadres. So these are the guys who are putting you through this event. And unlike the heavy, tough light where you have a team and the whole team has to succeed and the cadre is there, you know, to help you and guide you um, for go ruck selection, there's a standard. Number one, it's an individual event. So there's no team. You're in it on your own. There's a standard that has to be met. And the cadre are there to make sure that you meet the standard or quit. So they're not there to help you. They're there to make sure that the standard is met or quit because you have to, you know, remember that the, the event is based off of what these guys went through to, to get into, you know, to get into their career as, you know, a Green Beret or as a Force Recon Marine or as a Navy SEAL. Like they went through this, you know, in a different form, obviously. But the physicality of it and the standards and the activities that you're doing, they're there to make sure that that standard is met. It's 48 hours, nonstop individual event. Um, you get like one hour rest break at the 24 hour mark. Um, other than that, you're out there. Uh, you have your ruck on. The ruck standard is 45 pounds dry, which means you have your whatever weight that you need to have in your rucksack, whatever weight to, to make sure that you meet that 45 pound uh, minimum, but then you also have, you know, there's a a packing list, you know, a mandated packing list. So you have to have certain things. You have to have extra pair of shoes, extra pants, shirt, uh, stuff like that. Um, so you have that rucksack on and that's your life for 48 hours and doing what the cadre tell you to do. 
other than that, also just not- based on based on what I've seen too, like you say, like their job is to guard the standard and they're not there to help you. I would also say it almost seems like from the videos and stuff I've seen, they've got a bias towards you not finishing, right? Yeah, yeah, like it's, yeah. it almost seems like it's organized and designed <clears throat> to get you to quit. Like not yeah. like, oh, we'd love to see someone finish this, but there's years where people literally don't finish it. Yeah. Like no one finishes, right? Yeah, there's there's black classes and, and there's there's definitely a conundrum there because because you do enough events and you get to know these cadre and you know, like, I, I, I think I've done at least an event with each of the cadres that, that were there. Some of them multiple events and hung out with them. And like, I love those guys. And like, we have good relationships outside of even before, <laughs> you know, my attempts at the selection, but during that event, their job is not to, you know, hold your hand, like it's to maintain that standard. And then the, so it's really funny Well, not funny is ironic, I guess could be the word is after you quit, like they're there, they'll meet you with open arms, like hugs. They're going to take your, your rucksack from you. They're going to give you a beer. But when you're in the event, like this is what you signed up for. <laughs> so they were so <laughs> I mean, they get yeah. in your face and yell at you. I mean, yeah, they yeah. like I want, I want, we'll, and we'll post some videos of this in the show notes of this episode too, so people can get a picture. So, so walk us through what that first experience was like in 2019, and and also hit on like the time you invested on the front end in 2019, and and the financial investment from your setup. Yeah, things. yeah. So, um, getting into the event, you know, registration fees maybe like. 240 or 250 or something like that. I might have gotten it. I might have gotten it on sale, like Black Friday or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's um, suffering on sale. Yeah, That's great. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm a frugal guy. So if there was a sale, if there was a discount code, then I definitely used it. If not, I think it's like 240 or something like that. And then, you know, you have obviously you're, you're paying for your gear. So you have to you want to make sure you have at least the what's on the packing list, the minimum standards for the packing list. So, you know, if you're just thinking about what's in your rucksack, you're you know, you're paying for the, the extra pair of pants. Uh, make sure that you have a good pair of boots, um, good pair of backup shoes. You know, you got to have your MREs or whatever food that you're going to eat in 2019. You could only have MREs your oral rehydration solutions, all of that stuff, I'd say you probably are going to invest easily another 200, 250 in, in your packing list. And then your travels, you know, I'm coming from DC, so that's not too far flying into, I think that 2019 was in Jack's beach. So whatever that flight costs, not too bad. Airbnb, I stayed in an Airbnb by myself. I didn't really know too many people in the community at that point in time. So I had an Airbnb by myself. So overall, I think the investment probably about mm, easily 600 bucks to get there. The big investment is the time, the time spent training. I say 2019, I never have a problem with under training. I never have a problem with not training enough. My issue is always, you know, teetering on overtraining. And in 2019, I, I definitely overtrained. More importantly, I didn't train smartly. Um, but when you say I, overtrain, are you saying from a like family balance perspective or from a recovery, like physical body perspective, overtraining? Uh, probably both family balance. I, I get cut a little bit of slack a few months a year, uh, to do crazy stuff like this. Cause my wife knows <laughs> that if I don't do something crazy, then like 
you know, what is it? Idle hands or the devil's playground. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> the crazy has got to go somewhere. It's yeah. Yeah. Happen. Definitely. It's, it's like, a- you got, you got to walk your dog. Like if, 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 you know, if I don't, if I don't do have something to put my energy in, all that energy is going to go somewhere and I'm not myself. I'm not in a good mood. There's a whole, you know, argument about balance and family balance and work-life balance. I, I don't want to say I don't believe in balance, but Balance I don't know that I believe mean, in balance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, like, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a myth, right? But it, what it sounds like is y'all were hyper intentional about communicating about it on the front end. Like, this is going to be a season, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She knows that, like, when I get into something that I'm going to go in on it. And, and I, I do my best to make sure that when I'm with the family, then that's 100% of my attention. <clears throat> and when I'm training, that is 100% of my intention. And so that's how I try to balance it. We have to, you know, ideally we touch bases throughout the time. Ideally doesn't always happen. So of course there's, you know, there's, there's flare ups and stuff like that, but that's marriage. Um, so I didn't manage my time. Well, I didn't manage my time well because I wasn't training smartly because I didn't really know what the event really was like my uh, motivation and in going into the select into go ruck selection. The first time was, was to have the most badass showing of any candidate in go ruck selection. Like that's again, that, that's my fighter mentality. When I looked at other people that did selection, you know, at the time I compared myself and I was like, Hey, you know, he finished, he finished, he finished. I can definitely finish and I can do this better. Like, like that was my mindset. What I also didn't really know, like, you know, how to train for these things. You know, I'm not an endurance athlete. So I kind of, I took every um, tool that I could get my hands on via the internet and kind of just overdid that. So, you know, there were videos of, of people training for Go Ruck Selection because the, the buy-in for go ruck selection in order to qualify to finish the event you have to meet the standard of the pt test which at the time was a 12 mile ruck march five mile run 55 push-ups in two minutes at least 55 push-ups in two minutes and at least 65 sit-ups in two minutes so that's your buy-in and so there were kind of recordings and stuff of people like doing that all of that as their training session so at the, <laughs> I would take uh, Friday after I got home from work, I, w- I would drop my stuff, eat a meal, um, pack up my gear and go out the door. And um, I would just go wherever. Sometimes I would go to my buddy's house because he had a hill next to his house or, you know, I, I would be out. And these will be at minimum three hour training sessions. A few times they turn into six hour training sessions. And that was a staple for I think I probably got in a good five or six months for a selection uh, that year. So that was like, you know, three to six hour training sessions every weekend. It would take me from Friday night to Saturday morning. And your motivation in investing all that time and, and getting ready for it and signing up for the event as a whole, it sounds like for that first one, your motivation was, I'm going to be better than all these other dudes that are doing this. And I'm going to be the, the be- best example of someone that's ever competed in this event. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was, that was my main motivation. Like you, you know, people always ask like, what is your why? Your why is basically your motivation, right? What's keeping you in the game? And if you were to, if you were to ask me, 
I would have told you something else. You know, I would have, you know, I'm doing this for, you know, to set a good example for my kids and how much they can achieve when they work and work hard and stuff like that. But that wasn't like, that wasn't really my motivation. Once that fell off, um, that wasn't, that's, I didn't have anything left other than my own, uh, selfish pride, uh, to get through that event. And, you know, selfish pride will get you, you know, pretty far sometimes, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. We know we knock it sometimes, but it's amazing how far that'll take you. Right. And, yeah, and so yeah. like, I, but I also think it's important for all of us to recognize that we are all very, very capable of putting up a facade of, oh, I'm doing this for service. I'm doing this for other people. When in reality, if we get really into the heart of things, it's it's not actually rooted in those other things. So I, I want so bad to get to what the transformation was and what changed in your perspective between that yeah. one and the next one. But before we get there, I would just love to know, what is your perspective now on that why or that sense of purpose that you went into the first one with? So this past event, the one that I finished, um, there was no selfish pride at all. I was not in the event. It was my community that was in the event. What I realized is that, you know, my training takes a toll on more than just myself. You know, physically it takes a toll on me, but, you know, I, my, my wife ends up having to pick up extra slack. Uh, my kids miss out on time that we could be, you know, at the swimming pool over the summer. You know, I have to get coaches to cover my classes when I'm not there. I've got, you know, this is it's a whole, you know, it's a community that finishes events kind of like, I mean, similar to fighting. Like when you train for a fight, <clears throat> you're the only person who's in the ring, but you're not the person who is not just you that got you there. So realizing that and really internalizing that um, made a big difference. Um, there was never any point in time where I felt bad for myself, where, where any pain was there, was. there was never a point in time where any one thing could hurt so bad that I would have the gall to go back home, not finishing the event and tell people that I trained. I, I used up two years of your time to train for this thing so that I could quit. So that was the motivation. So it wasn't, it didn't take motivation. Like that was my job. Everybody helped me to get there so that I could finish my job to, you know, to finish that event. And that was, that was it. There was no other, there was no other option. What does that do for your ability to endure whenever you have that perspective and you've actually deeply internalized that perspective of this is not just about me. This is about the community of people that I'm surrounded by. And I just get to be here. What does that do for your ability to endure? It sounds like a, you know, a far reach overstretched. Um, but like there, there was literally, there was nothing that you could do to get me to quit the event. Like they would have had to hold a gun to my head and pull the trigger to get me to, to finish the event. And I knew they weren't going to do that. <laughs> it's not even hold a gun. It's not even just hold a gun to your head. They would have had to pull the trigger. <laughs> they have to pull the trigger. <laughs> um, and, and I knew they weren't going to do that. And I, I knew from the first time around and like, you know, they're, they're not going to let you die out there. Like mm. they're not going to, I have asthma. They're not going to let me have an asthma attack and, and, and die. They're not going to let me dehydrate or, you know, go into a coma and die. So like that fear is, you know, is not in my head. Like I'm not worried about death at the event. And, and 
And if that is the worst thing that can happen, then all right, cool. Let's just finish this thing. Like if the worst thing, if the absolute worst thing that can happen is them, is you dying at the event. And I know that's not going to happen, but even if it does happen, like I'm okay with it, then um, there's no reason for me to not finish this. Okay, now this is all that, in my head. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So I want to know, was that that same level of tenacity and resolve in your head at 2019 to the same degree? Or is there a difference between the two with regard to that mindset? No, there was there was a big difference. It was, All of that was not in my head in 2019. I thought it was, but it wasn't really. 2019, so, you know, officially, you... I officially I probably it probably went down as like a med drop you got like rabbit or something like that yeah, right? I mean your muscles yeah. started breaking down right yeah so I, I you know I had I there was definitely something going on I never went to the hospital but I've had rabbit before and I have a healthcare background I know what it feels like to come on um so there was definitely something physical there but before that even happens there's a moment in in your head where where options come in and and if you've never experienced it before, you don't know what's going on in your head. So prior prior to 2019, I just like everybody else who who sit and watch people do selection. When you're uh, when you're just watching it, you feel like the people who are voluntary withdrawing are just quitting. Even if you sit there and you watch somebody, you know, withdraw due to dehydration, like you 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 think that they're just quitting. And so you think in your head, oh, well, that thought of quitting came into their head and they just couldn't put one foot in front of the other. And that's why they stopped. But it's not really that, or at least it wasn't that for me. For me, it was the options come in your head. So then the options started to come into my head in the first morning. Uh, yeah, because I only made it through one morning. So was that Friday morning, the sun started to come up and we were in the middle of doing, I think like 200 hydro burpees in the little lake or river, or whatever body of waters down there in Jack's beach. And I'm doing the, the hydro burpees. And like, again, they, they tell you how many you're going to do. And I've at, at that point in time, I've never done an exercise where somebody says, all right, you're doing 200 of these and that's all you're going to do. So in my head, I had to wrap my head around that. As again, as a as a wrestler, as a fighter, I'm like, all right, well, if they say do it, I'm just going to keep doing it. <clears throat> and that's all I'm thinking. And then starts to creep in your head. It's like, hey, I wonder what the kids are doing at home. I wonder <laughs> I wonder if they're, you know, packing their stuff up to get out here. I wonder what we're going to do after they get out here. I wonder if I don't finish this, whether they will be happy with me or whether that just means that, you know, they'll give me some hugs and we'll play. And, and, and that is what stuck in my head. It was like what stuck in my head after going through all of that, because it doesn't feel like you're thinking about quitting, um, but you're not in the moment. So you are, you, you, you're, you're opening that door. And so, you know, I, my mind opened that door and was like, you know, if you don't finish this, you know, your loved ones are still going to love you and your kids are still going to give you hugs and stuff like this. And so, that was, you know, now that's bouncing back and forth in my head as, you know, the physical breakdown starts happening. And, you know, who's to say, I don't know, like if, if I had to kept going, would I have, you know, 
gone deep down the 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 rhabdo tunnel where I actually needed had to go to the hospital and get an IV and all that stuff. I don't know, but what I do know is that you know, like I said, the the cadre are not going to let you. They're not going to let you die out there. Mm-hmm. So you know, if if I had not have opened the door of you know what I'm going to do after the event, or if I end the event early with the symptoms that I noticed, I would have, you know, now I would have, you know, just kept going and, you know, put in the back of my head, um, done what I could have done to, you know, to recover off of that, you know, start to really hydrate more, take more, um, you know, some, some more re or rehydration solutions or eat some food, you know, do the things that I could do to make sure I stay there until they pull me. That's what I would have done knowing what I know now. Um, but that's, I mean, that, that right there is one of the reasons why I just, I love endurance events because I, I feel like it's, I mean, it's honestly a little bit like money and alcohol. It's not going to turn you <laughs> into something different. It's just going to make you more of what you already are. And it yeah. just like rips you open and exposes like all of these mental things that you've got going on and all of that. But whether people do endurance events or not, I mean, everyone, especially if we're talking to business owners, business leaders right now struggles with just the idea that sometimes mental seeds get planted in your head that although they may not be damaging now, they could come back to bite you later. And oh, and yeah. to use your language, like you're opening the door. And so can you speak to what you do, whether it's in the event or even out of the event to guard your mind and guard your heart so that those doors don't get open and you find yourself being compromised down the road? Yeah. Well, one of the, you know, the catalysts for me and even going down that road and finding ways to, you know, strengthen my, my mind, strengthen my resolve was the failure. Prior to that, I hadn't failed in anything, like anything significant in a long time. It had been years before I failed in anything. Usually up until that point, usually for me, if I set my mind to do something, it was going to get done. So I needed to have to become the person I'm now, I needed to have that failure. Because if I hadn't have failed, I wouldn't have looked deeper in finding a a real motivation for not just finishing that event, but a motivation in doing what I what I do. Because, you know, the training, it was, you know, two years between one to another. And throughout those two years, like there were multiple times where I got injuries where it, at any point in time, I could have said, you know, I'm injured. I can't train for the event. I'm going to pull my registration. I'm just not going to do it. Um, but I, I, I had to find a motivation to actually, you know, get through the training just to get to the event. So in order to do that, I needed to, I needed to, to think, um, to get out of my selfish pride. So that was one step right there, getting out of the selfish pride and realize that, you know, it's not about, you know, the, the cliche of it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. Super cliche, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's very true. Like if, if you're only worried about, you know, the medal at the end or the outcome, then you're missing everything in between. And that's where the lessons are learned. So that was one big thing for me. Um, and that put me on kind of a journey in like actually trying to find tools to, you know, to, to look into myself and to strengthen my own resolve um, so for me, one big tool was like reading some of uh, philosophy books. Uh, Stoicism was kind of what stuck with me. So and, like, what'd you, what'd yeah. you read? So my, I, what I, I started off with, I think Marcus Aurelius 
Meditations? Um, yeah. But I got to that. I figured, there was another book that I read while training for 2019 where the author or somebody in the book, I think it was, it was somebody in the book. It, so I, I read a book based on this guy who climbed Mount Everest. I forget what the book is called, but it's a, a the guy's journey up Mount Everest. And somewhere in that book um, is mentioned, I believe I could be wrong. Somewhere in that book is mentioned a guy, I think it's a guy who writes the Daily Stoic. Oh, um, Ryan Holiday. <laughs> yes, yes. So he was mentioned in a book that I was reading. And so I was introduced to Stoicism from that random book that I was reading. Um, never heard about it before. So I think I kind of glazed through like some of Ryan Holiday's like works and Marcus Aurelius' meditations kept coming up. So I was like, all right, well, let me start here. So I, I read through that one. Um, and when I say read, it means I listen to the book. I'm not a, I'm not too much of a sit down and reader, but I'm an audible. I'm <laughs> There's a, we got a lot of people that'll resonate with you. Just became very relatable to a lot of people. So that's yeah. great. Yeah, Man, so but I, what strikes me in all this though, is like, if you don't haphazardly sign up for that 50 mile ruck that you were unprepared for, then you probably don't end up doing 2019 selection if you don't do 2019 selection and fail at that, you don't go on this whole personal journey associated with deepening your resolve and studying stoicism. If you don't do that, there's no way you ever get to where you got in 2021, which we're going to talk about. But it's just the thing that strikes me is like it all it all occurred because you signed up to do something. Yeah. And so, I mean, is that one of the drivers behind you is not necessarily because you don't, you know exactly where these events or these challenges are going to take you, but you, you just like the person that you become whenever you do these things. Um, well, you know, honestly, like sitting back and thinking about it now, I can put those pieces together and I can definitely say, just like you said, the, the cascade of events, if I hadn't, if we hadn't have done that first 50 miler, then I wouldn't be the person that I am today, like by far. And I, and that's taken any, you know, any accomplishments out of the picture, but I can't say that I sign up for things or at least in the past, I haven't signed up for things with the intent on bettering myself. Um, like mm -hmm. I said, for, for a long time, it was just because I thought I, I could be better than the next person. <laughs> like, for, that was, that, yeah, you weren't really thinking about you at all. You were just thinking about being better than all of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that took me, that basically took me through life for, for the first probably, I'm 38 now, so probably the first 33 years easily, maybe more. Like, um, and that's how I was raised. Like, we, I wasn't really raised to like, to celebrate other people's success. I wasn't really raised to celebrate other people's success. Like my background example that I got from, from my, uh, from my dad was, you know, to be better. Like mm. if, if they're running this fast then you need to run that fast and particularly in physical things also. So, so that's why that's kind of what gets me into these issues is like, you know, this person is is doing this event and they're doing great at it. So I need to be, I need to do better at it. Dude. Well, and that's what I was going to ask. Does it, does it transcend 
And, and specifically for those years, did it transcend the physical space? Because I mean, like, I mean, looking at your, your resume, Chad, it's pretty amazing. I mean, you've got your doctorate, you're a business owner, you've got a family, right? Like, I mean, you're, you're a professional fighter or you fought in the past, right? Now you've done this with GORUCK. It's like, was a lot of that motivated by what you would now refer to as like, man, there was, there's a shadow side. Like those are a lot of good things, but there's a shadow side to like wanting to just be better than everyone else to all that. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, um, pretty much everything, <laughs> and like I said, there's, there's nothing really. Like, I wasn't out to to do anything wrong, but I just, you know, I was young, man. I wasn't really thinking about like the effects of these things. You know, I, I went into physical therapy. I, I went to become a physical therapist because, you know, when I was younger, my family was all about the trades or finding a. It was all about finding a steady career. And healthcare is a steady career. And I'm, you know, I'm good at science. Like science comes natural to me. So, so I was going to be a physician. And so my, my plan was to be a physician up until about 14 or 15. And then I was like, you know what? I really don't want to have someone's life or death in my hands. So, so what else can I do? You know, I liked exercise. And at the time, you know, physical therapy outside of being a physician, as far as what I knew, physical therapy was the next best option based off of, like I said, based off of my, my experience and what I knew at the time. So I was like, you know what, I'll be a physical therapist. You know, high, uh, college was not difficult for me at all. PT school, you know, it was just something I need to do. Like the, I, I'd say the one, the one trait that has carried me through the accomplishments is that when I set my mind to do something, it's going to get done. Mm. It might be, it might not be the best, but it's going to get done. You know, I'm going to put my head down and I get really bad for better or for worse. I get tunnel vision, like nothing else matters. And, you know, for PT school, I'm in PT school. Like I'm not, I told you, I, I don't sit down and read. I'm, I'm not really a studier. I, I didn't study in high school. I barely studied in college. Um, but for PT school, I, I, I realized quickly that I needed to study. So I went and I bought all the books and I read all the books and I did everything, you know, textbook that you would have needed to do to, you know, to get through school. And it was challenging, but it wasn't hard because I didn't have any other options. Like dropping out of PT school was never, you know, all of like that never crossed my mind. I mean, and that seems like at the core of if, if you read or study anyone that uh, has done anything extraordinary with regard to the endurance world, it seems like that mindset is almost always behind. It's just like, there is no quitting. Like, what are you like? It's, and, and to your point with 2019, the minute it became an option in 2019 was the minute it crushed you. It's like that what you're saying with PT school is like, it's not even an option. Like there is no quit. Yeah. What are you talking about quitting? Right? Like, what, yeah. What yeah. Yeah. It's just, and you know, it's the same thing that goes into business. Like, I, I did the paperwork and everything for the gym just because I had a bad day at work one day. I, 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 I kind of <laughs> always such a good entrepreneur story, man. I love that. It's like, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm yeah. not working for anyone else ever yeah. again. <laughs> I had a really bad day. I, I was working for a bad administrator, and I kind of, I, you know, once steady for my for my life, I've always exercised. I've always been in something physical. I love, fell in love with jujitsu. Um, after I finished PT school. So I, you know, that was in the back of my head. I had a bad day at work one day. So I sat down, went on the SBA website, did their uh, business plan, started an LLC, ended up getting a loan, saved up a little bit more money, started the business. 
And, you know, we, you know, any other small business, there have been many moments where it's like, all right, one more month like this and we're going to, you know, we're not going to make it. We're going to have to shut down. But, you know, even through the pandemic and everything is closed down, like there was never a thought of like, hey, you know, the loan is paid off. The lease is up. We could close down now and be good to go and just go back and work a regular life. Like never like that was not an option. And so, you know, to, to your point, you know, I previously, I, I never sat down and, and accomplished anything because I had any great altruistic plan. I'd say now, definitely now I, I can see and I can value and um, I, I do get, I hate using the term motivated because uh, motivation kind of comes and goes but I, I do get driven or inspired by the bigger picture. You know, if I'm, I'm running this business and, and one day I say, all right, you know, I'm, we're going to pull the plug on this. You know, how does that, my, you know, my wife has been, you know, busting her butt in her job to make sure that on the months where we come up short, she can cover it. You know, I'm, you know, teaching all these lessons to my kids on, you know, you know, I took my son out to rake leaves and make money for the first time this weekend like, how does it look for him if I'm telling you, like, this is how you hustle and make money on your own so you don't have to work for somebody else. And then I'm quitting, you know, quitting the gym, quitting the entrepreneurship to go back to work for somebody else. So, like, now it's more than just the the selfish pride of I'm just doing this because I said I was going to do it. I can see the, you know, the community of it, the wholeness of it outside of just myself. Man, it strikes me that if, like number one, you weren't really accustomed to failure leading up to 2019. Number two, a lot of 2019 is centered on you and your identity. When that doesn't go the way that you planned, was that, I mean, was that crushing for you? Did, did that hurt? Um, yeah, yeah, it did. What well, I'm saying it like, like, it's like, yes, yes, it did very much. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I, I played it off because you know, people are very kind. Like people will find inspiration of, I, I was telling my wife, like after, after we finished and I, you know, plane ride home from Jack's beach and I come home and I'm like recovering for a couple of days. And I check my Facebook and I have maybe like hundreds of messages on Facebook and I failed. I didn't finish. And people like are patting me on the back and finding inspiration and stuff like this. I'm like, but I failed. And, and like it didn't it didn't compute in my head. And I can tell you for from the day that I withdrew, got back, you know, to to lay in a bed from that day, the first time I laid down till the day that I finished election, the thought of that failure didn't leave my head. There wasn't one day where it didn't come into my head at some form. You know, I had like nightmares about it for like years, a good <laughs> you know, on and off nightmares about it. Like just, you know, there's so, so many things, it's like so many hypotheticals that you can play in your head and, and regrets and stuff like that. And so that, you know, that becomes another driver to to finish it the next time around, because I, I had one of the little mantras I had in my head was like, you know, quitting lasts forever. You know, the, the pain that you have here is, you know, number one, it has limits. It's only going to hurt so bad and it's only going to last so long. But if you quit, that lasts forever. 
And like, who's to say they're going to do another event? Like, you know, we did 2019. There was no event in 2020. We, you know, we did it in 2021. Who's to say it doesn't become an every other year thing or, you know, they just hold off for a while or whatever. So if you don't do it now, like you're, you, you might never get it done. In between 2019 and 2021, it just feels like there was this mental, emotional, it even feels almost as much as spiritual transformation that occurred inside of you. Can you point to a moment that was the kicking point for that kind of transition from I'm doing this for me to I'm doing this for others? Or was it more of a gradual transition? Or how did that happen to where it's not just something you say, but it's something you embody and you deeply feel, Chad? Um, I say it's probably, it definitely was more of a gradual thing. When I first started back training for the next um, selection, so I started back training in November of 2019. And, uh, and that moment was still a, you know, it was still a prideful moment. It was still like a, for me, it was like a Rocky moment. Like, you know, I got knocked out, but wait till I come back. Like that, <laughs> that, 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 that's what was in my head. You know, like I said, I was, you know, in my readings and I would, you know, I would listen to podcasts while I'm out on my, on my long rucks and my long training sessions. I'm listening to Audible and one of, you know, one of the reoccurring themes, I want to say it was from Seneca. One of the reoccurring themes was the, the thought process of kind of deciding. So if you're talking about like deciding whether you're going to, whether you're going to follow through with an action does this action benefit you or does it benefit the, the community as a whole? And if it just benefits you and doesn't benefit the community, just doesn't benefit the community, then maybe like, maybe you can think about doing it. Like give it a second thought. If it just benefits you, but it harms the community, then you shouldn't do it. If it benefits the community, then yeah, like you need to, you need to do it. Now, obviously I'm paraphrasing this. This is how it is in my head. So this is kind of a thought process that I, you know, started to actually start to actually try to implement in my life. It's like, all right, you know, and even into the training, even into my training, like I had to think about, all right, these three to six hour training sessions every weekend, like, is that really doing you any good? Is it doing you more good than the time that you're not spending, you know, with your kids and your wife might need help? Like, is there anything smarter that you can do? And like just starting to make like second think the things that I'm doing, even, you know, and these are not bad things. It's not like the decision is like, am I going out to cheat on my wife or not? <laughs> it's like, like, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, that's not good for anyone. Yeah, Don't do yeah, that. Yeah. yeah it's, no, it's but like, I think it, totally. And, and I think the greatest curse that most of us fall into if we're not careful is indecision. Right. We, we say, oh, there's so many things like I don't know if this is the right thing because there's all these other things that I could do. And I don't know about the opportunity cost. And so we end up being this stagnant, complacent blob that never does anything. And it's like the thing that I admire about you, man, is at least you did something. And who's to say, I mean, who's to say whether it was right or wrong? Like it, it made you stronger and better. It served your community and you did something. And I just hope that's one of the, the uh, takeaways that people have from this is it seems like there's value to just taking action. As long as there's not moral or legal or ethical implications to that action, just like, just do something. 
Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was having that this talk with my my son. My son, he's only nine, <laughs> but I have these like existential <laughs> talks with them from time from time to time. And I was, I was just telling this the other day. It's like, man, like one day you're gonna be old or my age. He calls me old. It's like one day, one day you're gonna be old and you're gonna look back at life and you're not gonna be upset or regret the things that you tried and failed at. Like you're gonna be upset at the things that you didn't try. And I think we were probably just talking about eating. <laughs> we were just talking about trying food for Thanksgiving. <laughs> That's because all he eats is chicken nuggets, burgers, and pizza. So, so, so we're like, bro, this is this is Thanksgiving. Like you're gonna regret not eating all of this good food one day. <laughs> but you know, I I, I kind of you know I, I live my life by that, and you know I I feel like that juxtaposed with you know taking a second thought of things, you know, does this benefit just me or does it benefit my community? Um, between those two things, you know, I, I oftentimes use those to, you know, give myself a push to, um, you know, to follow through with things. Uh, Cause I have no problem with signing up for stuff and I'll, <laughs> I'll sign up for stuff all day long. And, but like, should I be doing that? Like, am I putting my best effort in, in the right things? Am I, you know, taking the opportunity away from somebody else who can do it better than me. I think I, I feel like these two things are, are helping me make better decisions, but still keeping me driven with pushing forward and not being um, satisfied with with past results. Mm. One more kind of principle based thing I want to talk about before we get into kind of the 2021 experience is just I think it's one of the things that is harming our country right now is that somewhere down the line, we started to believe this idea that hard equals bad. And I just see so much of your story and your mindset and your approach is like, hard isn't necessarily bad. Hard is just hard, right? Because if hard is bad, then you don't do anything that you've done over the course of the past three, four, five years, right? Like it just doesn't happen. Much yeah. less, go, I mean, why would you get your doctorate in anything if hard equals bad, right? It doesn't yeah. make any sense. And so can you speak to us a little bit about how you frame challenges or how you frame hardship so that you don't just fall for the cultural lie that hard equals bad? Yeah, I, you know, I, I hear that, that comment. So uh, another thing about me is like, <laughs> I really, I could care less about what everybody else does. And I say that, <laughs> I say, I say that like understanding the value of the community, like I love my community, I love my tribe, but I could care less about what everybody else does. So like, I know for myself growing up, like, People look at me now and they're like, oh, man, you're, you know, you're so strong. You're so physical, this, this and that. But I mean, I was chubby. I have asthma. I'm a middle child. My older brother's two years older than me. So, you know, I got beat up. I couldn't make it through wrestling practice until I was probably a junior in in uh, in high school, no, sophomore year high school. I couldn't make it through wrestling practice. And so I fell for a lot of these things. But what I would do is I would find excuses to get out. So I, I remember, I think it was the end of my wrestling season, sophomore year, I sprained my wrist in practice. And so my parents take me to, to Kaiser, um, or to the doctor and, um, and the doc's like, yeah, you have a sprained wrist. You need to wear this brace and, and your, your wrestling season is done. Now the doctor told me this. And so, man, I was excited. I loved it. I was like, yes. So the next day I run to my coach, I'm like, Hey, I have to wear this 
flint and I can't wrestle anymore. Now, like, you know, I had a varsity spot because I was a big kid. So I always like, you know, I always wrestled up. And but, but because of that young kid wrestling up, I get beat up oftentimes in all my matches. So I, I loved ending my my season, but the team needed me like we didn't have backups and stuff. So, you know, my coach wasn't happy, but he was a good coach. And he was like, oh, you know, gives you the look. It's like, OK, all right. Are you sure? All right. <laughs> so so that's that, that's what, you know, and I can remember this to this day. And 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 it wasn't until. You know, it was a gradual like kind of breakthrough moment. And, you know, I had a pretty good career in high school wrestling, went to college for wrestling. They cut our wrestling team, so I couldn't finish. But, you know, I, I had a I had a decent career. But even even still then, it was hard, but I never felt like I stepped up to the point where I can face this hard challenge. It was never that for me. For me at the time, it was always like, you know, it, things just kind of just got easier for me. It's how it was in my head. It, mm. it, and so so with that being my mindset at the time, like my younger mindset, I, I developed a fear of, of failing. I had a big fear of failing. And I think I, I, I would say if anybody were to come at me or, or come to me looking for advice and like, hey, you know, this thing is really hard. Should I do it or should I stay away from it? And my fighters, you know, my new fighters, my new, you know, people who want to compete come up to all the time. Like, you know, should I really sign up for this tournament now? I've only been training for six months or, you know, coach, you, you know, I want to fight, but I'm not sure if I'm ready. And, and now I can see in my head, it's like, all right, well, you know, well, why wouldn't you do it? Like what, what really is giving you the second thought? Like, and more often than not, it's the fear of failure. And I, I think that's what gets people like everybody wants to be, everybody wants to be Rocky on the top of the stairs. Um, but nobody wants to go through the training and nobody wants to go through that first loss and that beating that he took. And I, I, I think people that scares people, they don't know, you know, number one, they worry about what people are going to think about them in that loss. And odds are nobody cares because most people aren't even watching. And, and and people are scared of of the consequences of it. The twenty year old, you know, starting a business is like, hey, I'm going to take this, you know, two thousand dollars that I have saved up and and start a lawn care business or something. But I'm not sure about it. I'm like, why not? You're twenty years old. Like you could spend <laughs> all your money, go do this business. It could fail. You could fall flat on your face. You're twenty years old. You still have, you know, you could. I tell my kids all the time, like you can fall on your face flat until you're about thirty five years old. And then you need to start getting your life together. <laughs> But but That's like right. take those chances. Um, so I think people, if I'm going to give advice to anybody, it's like you know, a don't be scared of a failure, like because you know that's the one thing, and b like, what what else are you going to do? Life, if you grade it from a zero to a ten, most people are are living at somewhere between a three and a five. Five feels good for them. Five is like, you know, five is safe. They have everything they need. They drive a nice car. They live in a nice neighborhood. You know, they're content. And they're so scared of dropping down to zero that they don't want to shoot for 10. I don't want to live at five. So I'm going to try stuff and in trying things like I'm going to get pretty low sometimes. But okay, like you wake up the next day and okay, (laughs) you just keep it moving. Like, so what? 
Like is that's as long right. As, <laughs> and now you like, know that it doesn't work. Otherwise, you wouldn't know that it doesn't work. Yeah. 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 And I think that there's like, it's just like there's value and joy and even contentment just in the trying too. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like 100%. it's like it's not it's not about it, it. Turns out like I think what I am starting to learn and realize is like it that this the Rocky on top of the stairs doesn't really matter, right? I mean, like yeah. that's a great moment that, but that moment lasts maybe a minute. Right. right. Whereas yeah. like, man, if you can enjoy the training and if you can just enjoy the, the path, like, man, that that ends up becoming the goal itself, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. I agree. So with that, I want to know what was the mindset and what were your expectations going into 2021 selection? Like, what were your expectations for yourself? What were your expectations for what was about to happen? How do you start to mentally and emotionally prepare yourself for the next 48 hours? Yeah. So one thing that I developed or cultivated in in the process is, is getting rid of the big picture. Like, there, there is no big picture. Like I, you sign up for 48 hours and the event is 48 hours, but that 48 hours is, you know, five minutes at a time, two minutes at a time. At, at one point in time during the event, the, you know, it was 10 seconds at a time. So you don't look at what is ahead of you. You don't look at what you already did. You just do what's in front of you right now. And that's all you worry about. So I want to say I didn't go in with any expectations. I didn't go in with the option of failure. Failure was not an option. And I didn't go in with any expectations uh, on how the event will be ran. Uh, one, one of the big mistakes I made in 2019 is like, you know, I did all this research, you know, how they ran previous events, who finished, what type of person were they, what did they pack, you know, how did they train, this and that. And, and I went in there in 2019 with the mindset of like, this is how the event is going to be ran. And then the moment they veer from that, uh, from that order, you're, you're discombobulated um, versus for this one, you know, my only plan, my only expectation was like failure is not an option. If, you know, if you break a leg and the bone is sticking out of your skin, then they'll pull you from the event. If, you know, if you, you know, get stung by a bee and break out in hives or something like that, like they'll pull you from the event. But like going up to a cadre and saying that you can't continue is not an option. Like they they have to pull you from the event if you're not going to finish. And other than that, it's like as long as they're not doing that, you know, it's what am I doing right now? And that's it. And was it hard for you? in the course of event of the event to discipline yourself to be that present, right? Like, did you find your mind wandering towards the big picture or were you able to maintain a level of self-control to be like, Nope, I'm just focusing on right now. No, cause I, you know, I, I, I something that I worked on the whole time since, you know, two years of practice. So I definitely, um, my mind didn't want, I did pretty good. Didn't wonder at all. The only moments outside of what was happening right now would be targeted things that I, I planted or allowed to come into my head. There was like, you know, this is, you know, this is not going to, this is not going to harm me. And I know it's not, I know it's only going to go so far. It's kind of like, um, like they're just like clouds, right? And so like these random thoughts that come into your head, but it's like, all right, you're here. Hey, how you doing? All right. See you later. And, and that I mean, that's was a lot about how people talk about meditation, right? I mean, yeah. like it sounds a lot like a meditative experience that just happens to be 
taking the place over 48 hours while you're having the crud beat out of you. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, I mean, is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, um, I've, I've gone into like, that was one of my rabbit holes. I've gone into the rabbit hole of, of Buddhism and meditation and stuff like that. So, so I've, I've taken some, some points from that to apply to my life. And yeah, that that's definitely one of them. Like just not letting these thoughts stick in your head. And then, uh, one big, you know, reoccurring theme is also, you know, Epictetus talks about it a lot. You know, you're the two things that you can uh, um, control are your aversions to something and your desires. Um, obviously, at selection, there's not too many things to desire other than, you know, some some food. Um, you can get your head. You can, you know, you can you can postpone that. You know, you know, I'm going to have a nice hot meal in 48 hours. So I don't have to worry about that right now. But, you know, your aversion. So, you know, what are you worried about? You know, they're going to have you going in and out of this water. The water is going to be cold. All right. Is that going to kill you? Are you going to get hypothermia? No, most likely not. So, like, why are you scared of it then? And once you get that out of your head, it's, you know, then you can start to see the benefits in it. You know, every time you have this experience of going in the water, which is supposed to be a bad experience, like there's beneficial things to it. Like, you know, your your core temperature gets to drop because you were really hot. Feels really good on your feet when your feet are burning from walking around that. You know, you have probably wakes you up. You're probably not yeah. tired anymore after you jump in the cold water. Yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> like, you know, they have you get cover yourself with sand and you get back in that water, you can wash some of it off. So, you know, that's that was it. My job was my job was to be present, operate, you know, five minute clips at a time. That's it. And get all the aversions out of your head. Like there's nothing for them to tell you to do that you're thinking, oh, I can't do that. Or I'm worried about doing that. No, I mean, it's just a thing. You just have to do it. Do do you find that practice of presence transcends into other areas of your life? Like because you've practiced it there, do you find yourself being more present with your family or with your work or other things like that and being less distracted? Yeah, well, I have to try. I have to work at it a lot harder. For me, like moving, physicality, like pain or, you know, sensation is a centering thing for me. Um, so I I don't do very well with like sitting down around the fire and telling stories with the kids. I don't do well at it, but I can make myself do it. But I have to, mm-hmm. I have to consciously make myself be present. It's not like, I sound like I hate spending time with my kids. I love spending time with my kids, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but just like everybody else, I want to do what I want to do with them. And they don't yeah. always want to do that. If so, your kids would just sign up for selection, we'd have no problem. Yeah, right, right. With them. <laughs> yeah. Like I want to go, like I want to go on, on, on long walks and stuff. And I take my kids, like I, I, I have this drone and I got, get the drone. And I get the dog. I'm like, all right, guys, we're going to go to this park. We're going to walk five miles. We're going to fly the drone, take some cool pictures. We get there 30 minutes in, not even 30 minutes in. Are we done yet? What are we? <laughs> Come on, guys. This is everything. But like, you know, but, it's, you know, so I have to, I have to consciously, you know, think like, hey, I, I just spent, you know, today I'm at, I'm at the gym for 12 hours. Tomorrow I'm at the gym for, for six hours. So when I get back home and when I'm home for those for that extra time that I have tomorrow, like I need to make sure that I check in with them. What do they need? What do they want? How can I, you know, give them a positive experience for this day because they didn't see me at all 
the prior day after I dropped them off at school. So, man, Uh, is there a moment in the 2021 selection that stands out as the most challenging or most grueling, Chad? The most grueling, I'd say the, the most grueling was the long walk. Because the long walk out of, you know, everything that you like, may, you can watch YouTube clips about selection, you can talk to people about selection, but what you never see, you never see the long walk. That's never in a video. So you never know when it's coming up. You never know what it looks like. You never know how far it is, how fast you're supposed to walk, what happens. So, you know, you know, it's coming up and you know that it probably is going to come <clears throat> that that last night you know, around midnight or whatever. You don't know what time it is, but you can kind of figure, you know, around 10 o'clock midnight, you're going to go on this long walk. But that's all you know about it. You don't know how far it is. And and you're depleted. Like, for all of my bravado and on the videos and stuff and saying that I'm 100%, like, I'm not 100%. Mm. I was cramping. I started cramping in my, in my leg, in my left leg, during the 12-miler, which was the first night. I, I had a cramp in my left leg the whole time after that. You know, I, you get abdominal cramps, you know, every time you sit down for more than 10 seconds, every time you get up, it is awful. Like It is super painful. Your, your feet start hurting. For me, my feet started hurting right about that time, right about that last night. So how many morning. hours into it are you at that point? Is that is that around the 30-hour mark or where are you then? I think this is around the... 36 hour mark or something like that. Okay. And so you have been moving, you have been moving nonstop for 30, 36 hours with the exception of one, one hour break at around the halfway point. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. At the very least, yeah. At the very least 36 hours straight at this point in time. Okay. And so, and, and it's middle of the night, you haven't slept. So it's in that context that you just have in your head, okay, we're about to do this really long, long walk. <laughs> like, yeah. that, what is it that's so daunting about that? Well, you know, it's, it wasn't at the beginning because I knew in my head, I was like, all right, if you're getting to the long walk, that means you're going to be finished uh, in the morning. Like, you'll be done tomorrow. You made it to long walk. The next big thing that you know is going to come up is going to be the shark attack. So at first... I was pretty excited. I was like, all right, the, we're working towards the end. And then there comes a point in it where for me, for me, the, I, I don't know how long I was walking, but you have, um, uh, we had two support cars basically. So each car had like three or four cadre in it and they will rotate and you know, the cars in front of you and then there's a cadre behind you. And every now and then they will rotate. Well, the second support car came up and uh, the first thing that made my, my butthole pucker was there was, there was one particular cadre and I love him. He's a great guy. Um, but all of the events that, that made me really have to bear down and, and work hard were his events. Oh, or, so, so he hops out the car and I'm like, Oh my goodness, here we go. <laughs> and then he throws a a 40 pound sandbag on me and I'm like, bro, like in my head, I'm like, bro, man, like now I got to carry this too. So you've got, (laughs) you got a sandbag on your shoulders or how are you carrying it? No, I wish it was on my shoulders. He he made me carry it front rack. So, so you have your rucksack on and then he gives you the the sandbag. He's like, carry this in your front rack. 
And so, you know, I'm carrying that. And then he would let me put it on my shoulders for, for a break, uh, I don't, you know, for a certain amount of time. But then it has to come back, has to come back to front rack. And I'm carrying this thing. And, and uh, like, it was, you know, it's painful. You don't see an end in sight. But you thought you saw an end in sight. You know, now your brain is starting to play tricks on you also because, you know, you've been up for, you know, however long, 40 hours or whatever. And you're walking on the asphalt also. All the other time during the event, we're in the dirt and the grass and the water. So you have some cushion underneath your feet. But now I'm walking on the asphalt. So you start to get that repetitive, uh, you know, that repetitive pounding on the bottom of your feet, which then now the nerves are starting to to flare up. So, at you know, at, cer- at a certain point in time in the in the long walk, like, I had to like consciously find something else to think about because your feet, every step you take feels like you're stepping on hot coals. So you have to consciously like bring your mind somewhere else. And then, and then towards, you know, you're, you're going, you're going, you're going, and it sucks the whole time. And uh, then the sun starts to come up, you know, you, you're doubling back. So you think, I don't really know where I am, but some things are starting to look familiar. And, uh, and then the cadre are telling you to move faster. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, <laughs> this is this is my problem. You know, I have a healthcare background and I, I, I like science. So in my head, I'm like, you know, I physically can't move faster, right? <laughs> you know, I can't, you know, like how fast do you really want me to move? I can't, I can't move faster than this. Um, but you do it. Like you find, you find yourself moving a little bit faster. And, uh, but it's, man. Like, so the one part, I'd say the one part that I was like, man, this hurts was the long walk. Also, because there's nothing else around you. Believe it or not, during the event and even during the shark attack, the yelling and shouting helps you. Like, if you play it right in your head, it helps you because then at least it's a distraction. But during the long walk, man, there's there's nothing except for the silence and the pain. (laughs) <laughs> nothing except the <laughs> silence and the pain. Holy yeah. cow. Okay. So how long did you walk for? I have no idea. You, I, you don't I, even know. I think it may have been, it was, it was no less than 10 miles, maybe 20 miles, something in there. I don't know. We started at, so here's the, the math that I do in my head was we started at, I think it was about 12 o'clock because I caught a glimpse of, of somebody's watch. So I know it was about 12 o'clock. And at some point in time, I we walked past the school and it was, I think, 7 o'clock or something like that. So that was at least seven hours. I think you're going at about a 20-minute mile pace. So I think I figured, like, at this point, it was at least, like, 12 miles or so. But then we're still going. Like we weren't even back yet at this point. So I, I think we were still at least five miles away, maybe more, because then we went back to the park that we started in and traced the same path that we did at the park for our first five mile ruck that, that brings us back to the house. So that's at least five miles there that you know of. So it could have very well been 20 miles. I, I should have asked them at the end, but, you know, your brain's not working. So you don't even think about it. That is just a grind too, man. I, I, I just wish there was a way to measure all of the external benefits of what you internally exercise during events like that, because like there's so much written just with regard to creativity and leadership and visionary thinking that like one of the best things you can do for any of those skills 
is learn how to be bored. And it's like, oh, yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like one of the hardest things about that. I mean, it just like, I mean, so all you did was go for a long walk, but it's like, man, you have no, you have no idea. It's like, yeah. I mean, it's in some ways, part of the challenge is like you're alone and it's really freaking boring. And oh, you yeah. just have to sit there and hear your mind argue with itself for however long. Cause you, cause that's the other thing that I forgot about. You didn't have a watch, correct? Yep. So you're literally, yep, no you're just catching what you can see on other people's watches yep. or just like, Man, I'll never forget whenever we did our event, which was nothing compared to yours. But whenever you start to hear those birds start chirping, it's yeah, like, oh, yeah. my God, like, yeah. it's the greatest yeah. feeling in the world. Yeah, <laughs> my, my trick is that I um, I will go to, you know, the weather channel and I will find out, like, when is the sun going down and when is the sun coming up? So at least at two points in the day, you know exactly what time it is. And that, you know, kind of gives you some orientation. You don't use it for like goal setting. It just gives you some orientation because anytime you can find something to orient your mind, like that's one less thing for you to worry about. Your mind doesn't like confusion. Um, but yeah, the, the monotony. We had one one event we did. Um, it's a hero wide called Chad 10,000 or 10X or something. I can't remember the number portion of it, but it's named after it's named after a veteran who ended up uh, killing himself from, you know, depression and brain injuries and stuff. And the workout is, is just 1000 step ups. So you do 1000 step ups. Uh, we had a ruck on and we had a 60 pound sandbag over our shoulders and that's it. Like there's nothing else to it. Like you do 1000 step ups. And if you're fresh, I mean, I, the fastest time I've seen it finish fresh is maybe about an hour and a half, two hours, something in there. Like mm. that's, that's a pretty fast time. Man, yeah. yeah, holy cow, golly! Yeah. But okay, there's something to the idea of you like looking up when the sun rises and sets. Um, that I, I mean, I think a lot of people will find kind of your background relatable, and that so many people that get into business for themselves are very competitive people and are truly like, man, if you give me a finish line, I'm going to run that thing down, right? But I think one of the things that's so challenging about business is it can feel a lot like what your experience was in selection and that like, there's not really a clear defined finish line. Like it's never over. Mm -hmm. The work is never over. It's always yeah. going. And I think that it, it just becomes even more valuable in that, especially for the leader, but also for their team to create their own milestones to like yeah. say like, okay, when does the sun rise? When does the sun set? When, like when, at what moment, like is the long walk, right? Like, so that it doesn't just all become the same because it, whenever it's all the same, you start to look at the big picture like you were talking oh, yeah. about. Yeah. Does that resonate it, for you? Yeah, you can, you can look at, you can find the shark attack for, for go ruck selections. And more often than not, you know, the shark attack is coming at the end of the event. Um, mm -hmm. the main shark attack, you might get little ones leading up to it, but the main one, you know, is coming up at the end of it. Now with all of the other events that were done at, uh, in Ohio, that shark attack comes at the top of the hill. Um, the, the, you know, the, there's a, you know, the big landscape there at the top of the hill, Jason's dad has a house, you do some of the events up there, but the majority of work is done at the bottom of the hill, you know, in the river, going around the field, stuff like that. So in my head, you know, I got through the, you know, got through the long walk. I knew I was done with that because I was back on the compound, um, but I wasn't on the top of the hill. And so in my head, I still had work to do. It, what they did was they switched it all up and they did the shark attack and the index at the bottom of the hill 
And so that threw my mind off, number one. And there's a point in the shark attack where they're, you know, they're going to finish it. They're going to finish. And uh, they bring they bring a big American flag out and they're going to post that behind you. Now, they're sneaky with it. But if you know that it's coming, like you start to see stuff rustling like, all right, I'm done. That never happened for me because they already had the flags and stuff up there. It was there the whole time. So so to have the flags behind me, I was like, okay, the flags behind me. I'm down by the water. I'm thinking I'm going to get shark attack down here. They're going to make me ruck around the field again, go to the top of the hill, and then I'll get the real shark attack, and then I'm done. But that's not what happened. You know, it came as a surprise, and it ends, and and you're like, all right, well, now we're done. And then I tell you, it was like – I don't want to say one of the most anticlimactic things that you'll ever do, but it doesn't give you what you think it's going to give you. Like you think that, you know, you think that I'm going to finish go ruck selection, you know, confetti is going to fall from the sky. Everybody's going to love me. I'm going to jump up and down. It's going to be excellent. My life is complete. I never want to finish. You know, I never need to do anything hard ever again. Cause this is the most difficult thing ever. And you finish it and you're like, damn, like you, you have that prideful moment. You're like, yeah, this is awesome. Um, thankful for the experience, thankful for, you know, the supporters and stuff. But then you look at the community that you're now part of and you're like, now I am, you know, there's 30 other go ruck selection finishers. Mm-hmm. And, and we have, we have this Facebook group and you're looking at what these guys have done since they finished and, and you're looking at, you know, the, even the cadre, you know, you know, some of those guys are still active duty, which means they're still going to, you know, to different schools and deploying and stuff like that. So they're, you know, people are doing stuff like this all the time. So like, cool, you finished one awesome, incredibly grueling endurance event, but what are you going to do now? Like that, that's that, that, and that happens that took about, about three days for that to settle into my head. Like, ugh, now what? Like, you know, I mean, that's that I was just going to say, like, I think that is like, that is one of the most distilled pictures of life that there is though. Right. It's like you, you, we have this ability to climb mountains, to think that the top of the mountain is the satisfactory point. It's like, man, you got to figure out how to enjoy the climb. Yeah, and, yep. and it's just like, man, when you do it in, in a context like that, where you compress a life into 48 hours, it's like, thank God you have that realization that it's like, there's always more and it never yeah. fully satisfies you. Thank God you have that realization then instead of waiting your entire life to maybe one day figure that out. Yep. And yeah, I, uh, 100%. Man, I, Chad, I, I know we're at time. I could just talk to you about this stuff all day, man. Uh, you're uh, two things for you. Um, number one, man, you're such an inspiration just for what you've done. And seriously, thank you for your example. But then I think the second thing also that I want to share with you just on behalf of, of our audience, I just love the way that you've honestly reflected and evaluated on what you've done and the result has been other people getting served. Like, I just think that's so cool, man. And I'm so grateful that you were willing to spend a little bit of your time and energy with us and our audience today. So 
man, uh, just really, really thankful to know you and really thankful to you for uh, your story and your life. Um, before we go today, I'd love for people to know where they can follow you and stay in touch with everything you've got going on and coming up, Chad. So all of my information is right now it's on social media. Instagram is a Chadillac spelt like Cadillac, only you take out the Cadillac and put Chad there. Chadillac, <laughs> two, <laughs> Chadillac 202 and Facebook, um, my name, Chad Malone. Um, I'll have a, um, working on building up my website now. So my, my what's next is, you know, during this whole time I'm training and pretty much my whole life, people have been asking me about their fitness and they're getting stronger and stuff. And I, you know, I have no problem with helping people and I help people here and there, but I've never really sat down and focused on like systemizing and, and progressing people through. So, so I've started a, a group right now It's called ground up training group. And it's just like it sounds where it's a group of us anywhere between someone trying to do their first endurance event all the way to a group of guys uh, training for selection. And I'm feeding the, the programming um, strength-based because it's better to be stronger, especially in these, uh, these sorts of events um, strength-based, but then also adding in a couple of things that are missing in a lot of these online training programs and not to knock any of them. They're all, you know, any plan is great if you're going to work it. Um, <laughs> anything is better than nothing. Um, but but what I see this lacking is one, like really digging into the mental aspects of it. Sometimes, you know, you, you might get one training group that says, hey, you know, here's the book of the month. Let's read this book. But like, why are we reading it? What are we really looking at here? Um, what are the things that we want to take from this book? And not just, you know, the story of of this one person doing this great thing. Cause that's one thing that we do. Oftentimes we take certain people and we put them on pedestals as if we couldn't do the same thing as if we wouldn't do the same thing if we were in that situation. And if not, why, why wouldn't you like, what is, what is in you that, that you need to, that you could develop to get to that level where you could achieve those same things so that, you know, so in our Facebook group, these are some, you know, little tidbits and discussions that, that we tease out. And then also, obviously, my background as a physical therapist, you know, I, I, I can I get to be I get to do more than just say, hey, here, do these exercises and then, you know, holler back at me after you're done with them. Like I, I can give you these exercises and then somebody might hit me up like, hey, I did these and, and it felt weird. You know, guess what? I'm a physical therapist. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so tell me how it felt weird. And because and that, you know, that's what leads a lot of people to, to quitting. I mean, I see it all the time in the gym. You know, people come off the streets and everybody wants to be a UFC fighter or they see how cool UFC is and they want to learn jujitsu. Haven't done anything for the past 10 years, come in and do three classes in a row and now they can't walk. And in a week, they're going to quit. Mm. Um, and, it's, you know, and, and it's not that like good on you for trying, but hey, like, let me know. I can. I could have told you better ways to progress yourself. I could tell you better ways to work around your injuries, and so all of that is is what I'm building out into ground up training group. Um, hopefully, we'll have the website up soon enough. Ideally, I want to have it up before the um, uh, for the next year, so early January. I also don't want to put up a trash website, so it'll get up Dude. when it gets up. But <laughs> but if you want to contact me. Uh, chat like two or two on Instagram or or Chat Malone on Facebook, and and we're getting it started now. 
That's killer. We'll put the links to all that stuff in the show notes of this episode. Hey, before we go, um, I've I've got a feeling that there's a lot of people listening to this that maybe feel inspired, but also challenged a little bit to go do something hard. And mm. they don't necessarily know even what that is yet. And they're going to have to figure that out. But what's what do you want to say to those people that it's like they just listen to this? They're like, I want to level up in some way. Yeah. Somehow I want to level up. What do you want to tell those people before we go today? Yeah. Number one, like, don't compare yourself to other people. Your heart doesn't have to be the next person's heart. For me, running three miles is very, very hard um, versus for someone who weighs 150 pounds, you know, running three miles is nothing. So, like, know yourself. Know what you want to accomplish, why you want to accomplish it, and what it's going to take to get there. Start off small. Like, one, one thing that I did intentionally every day, I did something that sucked every day. And I hate the cold. So I took a cold shower every day. Not the whole thing. I, I shower in the last minute or two of the shower. I'm, I'm running the cold water because um, it sucks. And But that gives you wins. So, you know, don't compare yourself. Know what it's going to take. Start small. Commit to it. And if you fail, all right, cool. Go back and look at it. Learn from your failure and reevaluate and try again. Dude, you are a monster. I appreciate you, man. Thanks so much for your time. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Well, I told Chad the moment that he showed up for that recording that uh, he was a monster. <laughs> and certainly that is true. But you know what else is cool about Chad is how incredibly down to earth he is. And that is super encouraging, but it's also pretty convicting. Because if he is truly just a monster and if he's truly just superhuman, then he's someone that we can admire, but it's not necessarily someone that we could ever aspire to be. But here's the deal. Chad is someone that is remarkably human. He's just pushing himself to the limit and maxing out who he was created to be. And, and that should serve as incredible inspiration, but also a little bit of a challenge to each of us of what exactly could you do if you actually pushed yourself to do what you could do? And I think that that's a question that we should all be wrestling with, especially this time of year. So Chad, thank you for your time. Thank you for your investment and thank you for your example. Y'all real quick, before we go, um, you probably know this, every week we send an email called Worth It Wednesday and that's because I believe most email isn't worth it. So we wanted to write one that is every single week. So every single week, if you sign up for this, you're gonna get a principle worth learning, a question worth answering and a recommendation worth taking. If you wanna sign up for that growing community, the link to that is in the show notes of this episode. Y'all, we're grateful for you. We're rooting for you. We wanna see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.